Undisputed kings, it's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. Boxing knowledge dropped by Kenny and Vin, it's a sweet science by the diehard fan. Manny and Floyd, Triple G and the rest, like an overhand right from Crush Kovalev. The tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings, it's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. Welcome back to the tale of the tape. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcasts, the tale of the tape. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Ben? What's up, brother? We hit, we hit the lull in the boxing season, and it never fails. So the idiots inside the sport start to open their mouth, and yeah. we got content for days. The athletes getting in trouble during the postseason is not unique just to uh, the, the major sports. Yeah, but we don't hear the ridiculous shit that we're hearing coming out of some guys' mouths no. in the last couple of days. It's like, you, are you guys fucking retarded? Well, some of them have been hitting the head a few times. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's about to ramp back up though. Uh, we get a nice little Monday night uh, appetizer: the return of the Crusher um, against Isaac Chalembo. We'll give you a preview of that here on episode one twenty three of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcast: the tale of the tape. Plus, we have Golovkin Eubank news, information about Kel Brook and Jesse Vargas, um, and lots of good stuff in the news and notes. Demetrius Andre back to doing what boo-boo does. Yeah, come on, man. That's what I'm talking about. That guy right there is, <laughs> is one of them. Just the mouths that, that just keep yapping, and they're just digging holes for themselves. Oh, man. It's, uh, it's, it's endless. Um, yeah. All right, so episode 123, there's the rundown. Uh, we appreciate all of you taking time to tune in to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at The Boxing Rant. Vince Cummings at Vince Cummings 81. Kenny Keith at Kenny Keith Jr. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Drop by theboxingrant.com and hit us up podcast at theboxingrant.com. Episode 123, Vin. One preview, one fight of uh, significance, the WBO, IBF, and WBA light heavyweight unified titles on the line. Uh, July 11th, Monday, HBO Championship Boxing from Russia with love. It's the return of the crusher, Sergey Kovalev, as he squares off against top 10 light heavyweight Isaac Chalemba and defends his WBO, IBF, WBA unified 175-pound titles then we all know the circumstances of this fight a fight looms in november against andre ward this fight um a good tune-up from the sense that isaac chalemba uh, has been in competitive fights he's shown his medal as being a tough fighter he's a very vanilla fighter um he does pretty much the same thing the entire fight but he's a little crafty He's a good enough boxer. I think this will be good work for Sergey Kovalev as long as it lasts. Yeah, I mean, look, Chalemba's a solid fighter. You're right. He, you don't want to take anything away from a guy like Chalemba just because he lacks the, the skill to compete with the best at, at, at the highest level. And we, to be honest, this fight, it is what it is, man. It's just, just a reason to remind everybody who the crusher is. 
because he'll drop Chalemba inside of six rounds, man. He really will. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't see the fight going past the middle rounds. You know, if it does, maybe Sergey Kovalev's putting in work. I think he just needs to go in for this fight, Vin. And I know the camp is almost over now as the fight looms here uh, next Monday. But let's be honest, man. He's probably fine-tuning his training camps. You know, mm-hmm. they're working on things that they're going to be working on for the Andre Ward fight. They're going to be implementing them. Isaac Chalemba is going to be um, his sparring partner, in, you know, in a sense. Essentially, yeah. Without headgear to whatever uh, John David Jackson and Sergey Kovalev have concocted, um, you might see flashes or a little uh, trial period in the ring as he gets ready for the big fight. Um, the HBO pay-per-view showdown with Andre Ward. Yeah, look, I, here's one thing I will say about Kovalev in this fight is I think there's there's absolutely no chance that this guy is taking Chalemba lightly. He's not going to do it because when you look at Kovalev's career and what he's created is, you know, second to Triple G right now in boxing as far as just the, the knockout phenomenon. Yeah, the kinda, buzz. Yeah, when a, when a Kovalev fight comes around, you got to watch it. But Kovalev needs Ward. He needs Ward on his resume. He needs that Ward win. So there's obviously no no friggin' way he comes into this fight unprepared. He is going to take care of Chalemba easily. Easily. Kovalev versus Ward in November. Ward's going to take a tune-up fight as well um, against Alexander Brand. I've never seen him fight before, Vin. No. Just a little bit of YouTube footage here. Isaac Chalemba is, is definitely going to... Uh, uh, give Sergey Kovalev at least a taste of, of yes. you know, a top 10 talent, a guy that's been there, um, been on big stages before. Ward's fighting a guy who's never been on a big stage before. Uh, Ward's fighting a guy that nobody's really ever heard of before. I'm not so sure. And, and, and maybe he had difficulties finding opponents because we have heard that HBO is paying him $2 million a fight. How much money's left over for the opponent? Uh, 150K, maybe? Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'd be surprised if Brand's getting that. So are they going to put Andre Ward on regular HBO against somebody and that they're going to pay $1.5 million to? No. Absolutely not. So, you know, in a sense, Andre Ward needs Sergey Kovalev as much as Sergey Kovalev needs him. Uh, I'll tell you what. That tells you how much HBO has invested. This year, they've shot their wide on, on Andre Ward basically investing in the fact that Kovalev Ward is going to be a super fight that sells 105 million pay-per-views because look, they're, they're turning down solid fights because they say we don't have the money in the budget. Well, this is why you're paying Andre Ward $2 million to fight Alexander brand. Yeah. Why would you do that? It's unnecessary. Nobody who was, who was going to order that fight before, Needed to see him beat Brand. No, and if anybody... This doesn't add any buys to the pay-per-view. No. Whatsoever. No, this is just for Andre Wardvin. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, because he's done him. so much for HBO. A couple. Uh, <laughs> here's a charity bag of two million greenbacks, Mr. Ward. I mean, he's, he's one fighter that's just not worth it. And I love Andre Ward as a fighter. But, god damn, man. I mean, there's he has no... There's no fan base. There's no buzz for Andre Ward fights. There hasn't been. He has to fight in Oakland to even get people to show up to the fights. There hasn't been a buzz buzz on a fight a Ward fight since Ward Dawson. There really hasn't. That was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah it's two two and a half years ago. Long time ago. Yeah. I, I I just I don't understand it. Them doing that. I, honestly, this why don't we? Why is this fight not on BET or whatever else? Yeah, I don't know, man. They found somewhere else for him to fight before. Why couldn't they find another station? HBO 
seriously dropped the ball paying for this fight. Right, because everybody that subscribes to HBO is already going to buy the fight because of the crusher. Right. Like, Andre Ward fans had to find other fighters to like because he didn't fight for three years. Well, every <laughs> every whether you're a diehard boxing fan or, or a, a middle-of-the-road boxing fan or, or even a casual, Ward Kovalev is going to draw buzz outside of the hardcore community. So you're going to be interested in buying, and if you talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about, you're probably going to end up buying the fight. Yeah, I agree. I agree. No doubt about it, man. Uh, Sergey Kovalev versus Isaac Chalemba. Are we going to get a hard prediction? Are you just saying the sixth round? I'm inside six, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with the seventh round. The WBO, IBF, WBA, unified light heavyweight titles on the line. And we head towards November as Kovalev versus Ward um, pits two of the top five fighters in the world. And, dude, I am looking forward to that fight card. Um, there's a lot of good fights on the horizon, a lot of good fights that are close to being made. But uh, Kovalev versus Ward is action fighters, uh, the sweet science lovers, you know, old boxing heads and new. Um, you're really going to have two of the best at everything that boxers can possibly do in the ring. Ward and Kovalev bring a little bit um, of all of that. Yeah, it's just one of those fights that if you're tuned into the sport and you have been, it's not as big as it used to be when super fights happened 10 years ago. But these guys are the best. I mean, it, very rarely do two guys that are the best, the top five fighters, one of the top five fighters in the world, fall in the same weight class and they end up fighting each other. That doesn't happen very often. Especially in today's boxing world. It, exactly. So when you get a fight like this, man, it's, it's something that... Uh, it, it's just one of those fights for me, Ken, where I... I it, it's not gonna, it doesn't compare on a level of Mayweather-Pacquiao where you, you had that kind of commercial buzz behind it but it com- it, it it compares on that that level where you're like dude I'm seeing I'm going to see some of the best boxing I can possibly see and uh, that's that's what it's all about at the end of the day seriously yeah i mean 2016 or you know 2000 or 1980 i mean when you pit talent levels uh of this caliber and a truly 50-50 fight. You could transplant either one of those guys to any air, Kovalev or Ward. They're yeah. going to do very well. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we'll all tune in on Monday night as we get a, a little treat. Uh, Kovalev versus Chalamba the Crusher back in action. Stay tuned for November versus Andre Ward. Um, July 9th, Unimas, California. Jose Ramirez, who's a big draw in Northern California, takes on Tomas Mendez. Uh, just another filler fight, another experience fight, another way for him to go make some money, mm-hmm. sell some tickets, and build that buzz in California. If, if that's one thing that kid can do, it's that and fight. He uh, he brings it. He brings it, and he sells tickets. I mean, it's no it's no wonder he has such a big following with the exciting come forward nonstop action uh, style that Jose Ramirez possesses. Man, he's exciting to watch. Uh, absolutely, I'm just pissed that I've been here at this house, and then Directv carries Unimas, but it doesn't carry. Whatever channel this is, Unimas is a big station, but you don't ever get the fights. There's a Unimas HD, no boxing. Yeah, man, only the premium stuff goes on there. You know what I mean? They pay those uh, those hot Latin women a lot of money to be in those telenovelas, man. I find myself on those channels every once in a while. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, Jose Ramirez, Tomas Mendez, junior welterweight bout on Unimas. All right, let's get to the post-fight, though. One fight that caught everybody's interest anyways. 
Well, maybe except for Joe Tessitore's <laughs> <laughs> the PBC on ESPN. Dennis Shafikoff versus Jamel Herring. I think everybody got it wrong on this one, man, from ESPN hyping Herring throughout the fight. He's got a great story and everything, but Shavikov wasn't even the favorite in Vegas. Shavikov all day long in this fight uh, was the guy I was looking at. Yeah, uh, It was a spirited fight, competitive fight, but Jamel Herring was entirely stuck in the mud, flat-footed, could not get off. Shavikov was launching. Much shorter fighter, but very explosive, and he just kept catching Herring. Uh, with huge shots until finally in the final round of the fight, the corner of Jamel Herring, and they could have stopped the fight before that round. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, throws the talon. Yeah, Shavikov was relentless, man. Oh. I mean, I, it's one of them fights where you just, you just you know from the first round that this guy is possessed tonight. He just would not stop. And let's be honest, dude. Herring is, like you said, the story is great. God bless the kid, and thank you for your service to this country. But this is boxing, and after a while we have to – Atlas ran with this narrative, and I normally Atlas won't. Sometimes he'll go off on his own tangent, but he he was he was toting the line, and it's just like guys, are we paying attention to what is happening? Shavikov is putting on a performance that was that was awesome to watch, man. Awesome. <laughs> what happened with Joe Tessitore during the broadcast? Oh my, the the prez uh, uh, Andrew V Kennedy caught it and. Basically, I guess they came back from a break. I didn't catch it. I saw it on a tweet. They come back from the break, and they're just widescreen shot on, on, the, on the ring, and Tessator and his producer, are their mic is hot, and they don't know it. And Tessator <laughs> just asks, hey, uh, when's the next fight? And the producer goes, oh, it's uh, two weeks from now. He goes, okay, yeah, uh, I might not be sober for that one. <laughs> And he made another comment about how there was nobody there. There might have been 1,200 people in the crowd for that fight, man. When you go to an event like that to call something like like Tessator and Atlas, how do you take your job seriously? How can you seriously? There's more people that show up at a rodeo in West Virginia <laughs> yeah. than showed up to Shavikov airing. How can you, like, like, look, to be able to sell the shtick and bullshit that they do, it takes a bit of acting. How do you put on your best performance when there's no audience? How can you really ham up your shtick when you're echoing throughout the arena? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you can. Uh, it's just, it's terrible, man. And uh, the fact that it's on ESPN and look, it, Friday Night Fights was never, towards the end, it got really, really bad. But this is just, a, this is almost like a disgrace to Friday Night Fights, the way that the PBC on ESPN has been. Yeah, because they could take a fight like this, and if it was promoted properly, and if it was handled properly, and they ditched the narrative and just said exactly what this fight was, then they could have filled more butts in the stand. There would have been more buzz in the arena. You know what I'm saying? But they don't promote these shows. They just throw them on slots. Look, they've already taken the war chest and bought all their time up with these networks. So now they're just flinging poop at the wall right? and, and, and hoping some of it sticks. They don't care about anything else. The productions have completely downgraded. Like, everything's basic and simple. They're still holding on to the exaggeration and the narrative. And... What happened to the epic orchestra entrances and the and the and the ramps? What happened? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the, the well has run dry. Yes. Um, yeah, but they got to do a better job by these fighters, man. Just doing a little puff piece on Jamel Herring and not telling the real story of his inexperience level at the you know at the pro level, the pedigree of Dennis Shavikov. Like he's the far superior fighter. Uh, absolutely. Any, I think anybody who knows boxing coming into this fight would have said. 
looked at the odds and going, yeah, uh, give me 200 on Shavikov. <laughs> uh, Dennis, uh, Dennis Shavikov uh, does the deal. The towel is thrown in, and he defeats Jamal Herring. All right, so that'll do it. It was a very brief preview and, uh, and post-fight, but we do have some news and notes. It was announced today that Tyson Fury versus Vladimir Klitschko 2 has been rescheduled for October 29th at the Manchester Arena. So now we can put it back on the calendar, Vin. And guess what? Uh, cool. Yeah. I'll tune in. No, yeah, I, I feel like nothing has changed. No. No. I'm still as anxious as I was before, which is about rhymes, rhymes with nippy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. We'll see what happens when that fight comes around, man. I, the, I just, the, the first one's still left a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I, I think curiosity more than anything to see what Klitschko has left in the yeah, tank is, yeah. is, is, is why I'm going to tune in. Um, Gennady Golovkin versus Chris Eubank Jr. Eddie Hearn said last week that it would be done by last week. Then he came out and said that apparently, um, I didn't know this, but they are on at least, at least the fifth draft of a contract. Hearn said K2 has made no silly requests and have been very reasonable. So, okay, so if Eddie Hearn comes out and says that dealing with K2 has been awesome, <laughs> then hold on a second. I have some questions, Vince. Yeah. Has Eubank, is, is Eubank's overvalued sense of self-worth the cause for the holdup here? Are the Eubanks trying to price themselves out of this fight, dude? Honestly, it seems like they are because it, it would seem so typical of a character like Chris Eubank or BJ Saunders or Kel Brook to try to flip the script and say that, Triple G and K2, uh, that they backed out of the fight at the last minute. I, dude, I, I wish I could tell you, but now that you have basically Eddie Hearn to me, I mean, look, I, the guy's a master promoter, master promoter. I'll give him that. But he might as well be the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. <laughs> this, the, this guy just spews out shit where it's like, dude, come on, man. We're not that stupid. And you're teaming him with Eubank. Now it's like, dude, I don't know what to fucking believe here, man. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. This is a complete shit show. I, who knows whose fault it is? It's, yeah. it, your guess is as good as mine. Well, look, if if he tries to flip the script and prices himself out, like, strategically, right? Yeah. And tries to blame Triple G and K2 that they backed out of the fight, um, dude, it would be the best way for him to just piggyback off of Triple G's status uh, the weight of the fight, and he'll be even bigger, have more fans on board, so then he can leverage a rematch with B.J. Saunders. Because, honestly, man, what are you doing at this negotiating table? What is holding this up? Uh, do they not have feather mattresses in, in, the, in the suite that you're requesting at the hotel need- that evening? Like, what is holding this up? Like, listen, if I'm Triple G, I say, listen, dude, you get $2 million. I get four, and I'm going to knock you out, and that is it. Accept it or get the fuck out of my way. Yeah, and I'm coming to your town. I'm, I'm yes. coming to your, your Actually, country. Actually, you know what? Take a million just for being a dick. Yeah. I, dude, this guy, look, oh, man, I, I want this fight to be fucking made so badly <laughs> because it is going to end in Eubank Jr. getting destroyed. And I, I honestly, there's not too many fighters where I look for guys to lose because there's something about them that I don't fucking like. And I cannot, cannot wait to see this guy's demise. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Just be exposed for what he is. Not very good. Nope. Speaking of old Billy Joe, could possibly return to the undercard of Canelo versus Smith. Interesting. Ooh. So now this mm. Mm, two mm. Warren boxers mm. um, in Smith and Billy Joe Saunders, is it a two-fight deal? Mm. Sets up uh, a December clash with Saunders for the WBO middleweight title, doesn't it? Oh, you think? <laughs> what a joke, man. 
It's like you. It, it, it's written right before you. It's so plain to see. It's like you guys are giving away the script. Yeah. <laughs> you are giving it away. We're not that fucking stupid. No. Some people are. <laughs> so, yeah. It's debatable. I, I might be. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, dude. Who knows? <clears throat> when it comes to Billy Joe Saunders and Chris Eubank, who fucking knows? But what about your boy while we're on this subject of middleweights that just don't make any sense? Yeah. What about your boy Danny Jacobs? What the hell is going on there? As soon as a Eubank well, why fight is, is he on, my boy again? <laughs> don't you favor him to beat Golovkin? Uh, I would, uh, dude. If I said that, shoot me in the face, point blank, please. <laughs> oh man! But what is going on? Why does he have to jump in and say the same stupid shit as the rest of these guys? It's like he had an inside source to the to the Eubank Triple G negotiations, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah." The it, WBA tipped him off, probably. It's it's done. Go ahead. You could start yapping now. <laughs> the fuck? They're just getting the ring and fight, man. No, we now we need Billy Joe Saunders and Danny Jacobs. That has to be the fight. Sure, any of them. I just want any of these guys to fight anybody. You know what I mean? I'll take anything. I just figured Saunders and Jacobs are the guys that like to talk right after the fight's made with Triple G. So. No, I'll take, I'll take a little Saunders versus Lemieux as the co-feature. Oh. See ya, Billy Joe. <laughs> night, oh, night, Billy. Good night. Kelbrook versus Jesse Vargas, WBA, IBF, welterweight, unification. I thought this thing was done. Vargas, yeah. is, Dude, Vargas has signed the contract to fight Brooke in his hometown of Sheffield, England. But Brooke hasn't signed the contract because he's not happy with the fact that Jesse Vargas will be making more money than Kel Brook will be for this fight. Ooh, Kel Brook, the fucking superstar, Ken. All of a sudden, this guy, I, don't, I really don't even think he's that big of a superstar in the UK. Honestly, I'm, I, I know he's a champion. And he's highly regarded there, but he is nowhere near the likes of Anthony Joshua. He's nowhere near the likes of what a Carl Frotch was. He's just not that type of guy. I, I just feel like he thinks he's so much bigger than he is. And I'll be quite honest with you, man. I think we have, I've given him a pass because for the last year and a half, two years, this guy has fought stiffs. I, I, I don't care about the Frankie Gavins and the Donut Dans and the Kevin Bizier's of the world. <laughs> Holy shit. Kel Brook, good for you. You beat Sean Porter. And Sean Porter in that fight was what, 25, 24, 25? He's young. Yeah. Uh, uh, quality win but by no means a dominant win where you walked away from it and went Kel Brook is the best in the world but all of a sudden he's taken that mantle in the welterweight division and I'm just not so fucking sure that I agree with that man I he's a big big welterweight and a definitely a good fighter but I think he's gotten a pass and as much as other fighters get criticized for the same shit that he's been doing for the last year and a half he doesn't get much of it in the UK he does but not here. The, the American opinion of Kell Brook is, well, he's the best in the world because uh, we, don't, we don't hear the same shit talking that all the welterweights in this country do and don't fight each other yeah. and don't get in big fights. But he's doing the same thing over there. Yeah. I mean, he's with Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn can make fights with any of the promoters. Yeah. You know, he's not pigeonholed uh, by one faction whatsoever. But here's the frustrating thing about this. This is a good fight, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I've read interviews with Vargas since the Saddam Ali fight where he said, you know what, man, I'm tired of winning close decisions. He's, he's like, I caught a lot of shit in my uh, career for winning hometown discounts in Vegas. And he said, you know what, from now on, I'm going for the fucking knockout in every single fight. That's his new mentality, which makes this fight so great. But here's the thing. 
he has come out and, and, and been taunting Brooke on Twitter to sign the damn contract and said, you know what? If he doesn't sign the contract soon, I'm going to go rematch Timothy Bradley. What the fuck is Brooke doing? I, I, I don't know, man. I really don't know. Is he ducking? I still don't know what, what happened to the Chavez fight. I've heard 25 different fucking things yeah. why that got canceled. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what I'm saying, man. This is just a guy that I don't. And I respect some, the fuck out of his fighting, dude. Absolutely. In the ring, the dude can fight. I, I'm not going to disrespect his skill, but something isn't right outside of the ring. It's, shit doesn't add up with this guy. And you, good luck putting your finger on it. It fucking goes out in the wash with Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but your boy Eddie said a unification matches with Keith Thurman and Danny Garcia were turned down by oh, both fighters' teams. Yeah. Okay, Eddie. Give, give me a fucking break, dude. <laughs> oh, man, the frustration of the welterweight division to a very frustrating former welterweight champion. Oh, the former pound-for-pound pound king Floyd Mayweather Jr. <laughs> always keeping his name in the media with controversial nonsense. And this just really encompasses everything that we've come to know about Floyd Mayweather, what he stands for, what he believes, and what he really feels about women as he will open up a strip club. I'm not opposed to people wanting to go into business. And if you want to no. open a strip club, go for it. But you can't name it girl collection. Especially when you've Beaten been convicted women. of beating women. How are you even allowed to get a license to so, open a strip club? So now you're collecting girls. Oh, What do they sit on your shelf? How how does that come to pass? He though? carries them around in that Louis Vuitton cash bag. <laughs> if I was sitting in the when the, when his business application comes across the desk and I'm the guy that stamps it and puts it through, I'm going, wait a second, Floyd Mayweather, dude. Every flat brim TMT cap wearing mofo that travels to Vegas, they go on the on the Mayweather tour. They take a little bus around. They go to Mayweather oh. Gym. Then they get a night. At girl collection. Oh, come on, man. We all, I, I, I'm not, everybody that goes there that's a Mayweather fan will be going to girl collection. Oh, period. absolutely. Maybe Floyd will be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, here we go. So we're going to really round this thing out nicely. Uh, Demetrius Andre, as we uh, prefaced oh, earlier, God. Um, my boy has not changed a bit. Okay. Apparently. Recently talking about what's next. Uh, he was asked about um, Erzlandi Lara because we had heard that he wanted to get a belt and then try to unify with somebody. He's been talking about this ever since he launched his comeback. He says, don't get me wrong, Erzlandi Lara is an interesting fight because he's also slick. But that last fight with Vanas, he tried to stay in the pocket a little bit. He felt comfortable with somebody he's already fought before, which I don't know if he'll do that with somebody like me. I don't know. If it's the last resort, then yeah, I'm going to take the fight. But hold on, this gets better. <laughs> okay, he says Laura won't engage or try to make the fight entertaining, especially if it's coming in my favor. He's just going to survive, try to run, try to do little pity pat counter punches. I'm not about that right now. I'm about sitting in there, doing what I got to do best, and letting the fans know that I'm willing to get in there with anybody and put on a show and make ends meet. Wait, wait, wait. rewind that. He's willing to get in with anybody, but he's not willing to get in with Lara. Right, right, exactly. So Andre is willing to do exactly what you said. But hold on, you don't want to fight the best? Because, I mean, most consider him to be the best 154. So yeah. instead, instead, Vince, he wants to fight the WBA regular belt holder, Jack Colke. Andre says on Colke, this is where it gets awesome. Uh, he says, I just heard his name when asked about Jack Colke, uh, that he has the WBA. I'm just trying to get a little title shot. 
so I can put a belt up against Charlo where it's big. Not me trying to fight for the belt he has. Hopefully they can make the fight by the end of this year, probably March, April, May at the latest. <laughs> so you're not fighting again this year. Uh, uh, and on top of that, you are fighting for a regular belt, which is not really... Which nobody recognizes. It's not a belt. Hey, good, yeah. So by him... Hold on you're going to move up and fight Danny Jacobs for that... For, <laughs> A unification of the junior middleweight and middleweight WBA regular champions? But he says that he's going to fight Colke because if he wins that regular WBA belt, that it makes the Charlo fight big. What? No. Dude, the Charlos are one of the most unknown quantities in boxing. A fight against Demetrius Andre versus Jamal Charlo at any day of the last 20 years will be as irrelevant as it is when it happens. You think? Nobody knows who the hell you are. How could you rationalize? What is the logic in saying that a meaningless trinket is going to make that fight bigger? And that's what you're, you're, you're trying to do right now. Why don't you just come out and say you're fighting Jack Colke and not say anything else? Right. Nobody, you know, And fight him this year. Yeah, fight him before the end of this year and say, I'm going to get back in the ring in March, yes. and it's going to be a big fight. Right, because then he's the mandatory for the WBC. But, right. he, but, but, but he can't. So then he says about Liam Smith, Then to pile this on in this just... I don't know if, what he was smoking. He says, yeah, I wanted Liam Smith, which Canelo got. Canelo got the weakest link of the 154-pounders because he knows he doesn't want to fight anyone that's going to give him a hard time. <laughs> but Canelo stole the guy you wanted to fight from you. Yeah. You, you wanted to fight Liam Smith. So what does that say about you? Uh, Canelo has already fought guys. He's fought eight fighters that are bigger than any fighter you've ever fought, better than any fighter you've ever been in the ring with. This is a guy who is sitting here calling retarded, illogical, confusing shots out here whose biggest fight is Vanis Martirosian, where he got dropped. Yeah. His second biggest fight was against a stiff-legged, battle-worn Willie Nelson. Which, which means nothing. I mean, looking back on it, a very good performance by Demetrius Andrade. And to be honest, and I think me and you both suffered in this, and we talked about it before the show, we kind of let that motherfucker out of the penalty box. Like, <laughs> all right, dude, that, that performance was awesome. And you acted like, uh, I, I hate to say, I, I fell for what a, what a fighter said in the ring after a fight. Oh, I'm a complete idiot for falling for it. But after that performance, you went, how could, how's this guy not going to keep fighting? He's, he's fucking unbelievable. But his mouth outside of the ring is 10 times more unbelievably retarded than he is in the ring with skill. It's just this guy, he'll never be anything. Like we said when we talked about it after his fight, and he was naming off all the, I want to unify the division, and we, what do we call it? The seven-year plan. Yeah. Yeah, well, here, this is the start. Jack Colke. Dude, you have to get in the ring. Who is advising these people? Who's advising these people to destroy their careers? I don't know. I don't even think the advisor matters sometimes. Ma I really don't. Making 750000 or $1.5 million and then just saying that that's enough for the rest of your life? What else do you do besides box? Do you have a hobby? Like, do you have a job? Uh -uh. Or you just fight twice and... and Andre doesn't. And, He's and, a full-time boxer, guaranteed. Where does he full-time box at? Uh, well, <laughs> you only got, in the boxing world, it's... 48 minutes a year. Look, if we're, <laughs> if we're qualifying full-time boxers as guys that shadow box in the mirror when they get out of the shower, then I'm a full-time fucking boxer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It just takes 48 minutes a year, buddy. One fight. You're a full-time <laughs> boxer. 
Oh, this day and age, my friend. <laughs> this day and age. Demetrius Andre always, you know, it's been about a year since he has supplied us with these nuggets. Because we used to talk about these little oh. gems of interviews. Dude, they just keep sticking a microphone in his face, and he just keeps on. He's, he's just barking out stuff like, like I, I'm already established. This is like an, uh, a completely unestablished fighter. Yeah, uh, he's established amongst. He's, he's good, but he's not. A, he's had one meaningful fight. Yes, I, look, man, for I, a vacant title, he didn't even fight the champ. The sad part is, is I feel like if this guy fucking fought three times a year, or even two times a year, just fight two times a year, uh, please, fuck. just fucking do that. Can I, you do that, I, oh, man? I, I barely care about people I, that fight twice a year. I know, but uh, I feel like we have to beg for that nowadays. Like, can you at least just fucking do that? Oh man, my butt hurts just thinking about all that. <laughs> You know what I mean? It really does. It's just like, how, how much do we have to wear? Yeah. You know, it just makes your butt sore. Um, all right. Last little tidbit here. Something that came across the wire um, on uh, Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, an article uh, about Jesus Cuellar joining forces with Freddie Roach. The original fight that was scheduled for the undercard of Leo Santa Cruz versus um, Carl Frampton, Jesus Cuellar was supposed to square off against Abner Mares. Um Injury postpones the fight apparently Cuellar's trainer had to take care of some personal business in Argentina so he has been directed and led to the direction of Freddie Roach for this fight I don't know how much impact he can have on such a short camp where a camp was already previously had but um Jesus Cuellar is the kind of fighter that if he had some time with Freddie Roach I think that Freddie Roach could definitely hone some of uh, Cuellar's gifts, man, because he's got some gifts. Yeah, oh, I, when you, on paper it looks like the the perfect match, just based on what Cuellar is as a fighter and yeah. what Freddie Roach brings as a trainer. But uh, you're you're right. This is probably a one time deal. He's just picking up a guy that he knows is going to give him good instruction in the corner, and, and 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 it can go with what he is as a fighter. Period. Yeah. There's no way he's going to leave the guy that got him to where he is before he wins a belt. Yeah, absolutely. And it just raises the profile of Cuellar being yeah. with Roach a little bit. You yep. know what I mean? Um, yeah, so that's it, man. We just ran through it. Uh, News and Notes was definitely entertaining this week for sure. And I guarantee you that some of what we said will come undone by the time we do another show. Oh, absolutely. Hey, look, man, there ain't shit to talk about. You have a little fun with the show for 30 minutes and get the hell out of here. Yeah, man. I mean, what's really on the horizon here in July? We got Santa Cruz Frampton. We got Postal versus uh, Terrence Crawford. Uh, a fight that I'm telling everybody out there right now, if you are a betting man, put your money on Victor Postal because this is going to be by far the toughest test for Terrence mm-hmm. Crawford, as it is for Postal. Yeah. Um, but plus 350? That is juicy, my friend. Dude, get your money in on that thing. The Iceman plus 350, uh, that, that's a solid bet there. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and, you know, it's a busy July boxing schedule. There's some good fights out there, Vin. Still dangling on the fence about getting a ticket last minute to go see uh, Santa Cruz versus Frampton. Them tickets will drop, although that, that undercard's starting to look a little juicy. So It is. It is. It should be interesting uh, uh, how it pans out, because I'll tell you what, man. If you pull the trigger, I'm riding. Oh, hey, look, uh, I'm knowing my past and big fights. and Cotto Martinez was like two days before the fight, you were like, yo, Ken, I, I got to go to this fight. Yeah. I, I don't say I want to go to the fight, but I, I'll buy two tickets to just tell somebody, you're coming with me, motherfucker. <laughs> Pay me back later. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, all right, folks. So that'll do it for episode 123 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing Podcast. We'll be back next week with a preview of the WBC heavyweight title on the line. Chris Nips, Ariola getting a title shot against your boy, Deontay Wilder. Going to be a tough one. Yeah, it should be action-packed. Ariola will probably bring it, man. For two rounds, anyways. For two rounds. Uh, we'll be back to talk about Guillermo Rigondeaux, Terry Flanagan, 
um, and much more. Sammy Vasquez in action as well. But you've been listening to the Pound for Pound King of Boxing Podcasts, The Tale of the Tape. Follow us on Twitter at The Boxing Rant. Hit up Vince Cummings at Vince Cummings 81. And you can follow me, Kenny Keith, at Kenny Keith Jr. Be sure to subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes today. Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, The Boxing Rant YouTube channel. We'll be back next week for episode 124. But we'd like to send a big up to all of our listeners out there as we have surpassed 100,000 listens on Spreaker.com, our host site, and close to 200,000 listens since the inception. But we'll see you next week on the Pound for Pound King of Boxing Podcasts, The Tale of the Tape. Muchas gracias, everybody.